you again. It's uh, some time now since we retired here. And for those of you who are guests here, I am not the pastor. I used to be one of the pastors. And uh, Pastor Chris is away this morning. And uh, I'm just so glad and so appreciative of the gifts of the worship team and leading us before God's presence and finding again his grace and mercy. Um, it's been uh, a few years, and uh, I don't know if you can do the math, but uh, I'm in my ninth decade. But <laughs> <laughs> and part of the package that goes with that is that uh, I can never remember a name, but I always forget a face. But I did find my way here from Waterford and got here on time. I think it'll be up on the screen, but uh, I wonder if we can listen in on a dinner conversation. It's recorded in the 22nd chapter of Luke. Jesus and his friends had just sat down for a meal. And Luke tells us that a dispute arose among them as to... Now, this is hours before Jesus was to be tortured and killed. And he told them this was coming. So a dispute among them arose as to which of them was to be considered the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is the greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I'm among you as one who serves. And we're going to think about this response of Jesus. I'm among you as one who serves. And this response. You are those who stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So that's a dinner conversation. And maybe in your minds you could go to another dinner time. The food is hot. You've just sat down. And then what? It's dinner time, right? So the phone rings. And the display says, Kitchener. Hmm. Canada Revenue Agency, are you kidding me? <laughs> How many have had that call? <laughs> K 
Canada Revenue Agency. And when I took it, the officer sternly scolds me that I've been caught cheating on Revenue Canada. And if I don't pay up immediately, the police will be at my door and take me in for fraud. Why do so many people fall for it? Is it possible that the success of these CRA scams depends on our fear? Is that possible? Fear that our tax returns have not measured up to CRA's expectations. Not good enough. And beyond that dinner incident, how many of us, how many of us go through life thinking that we're not good enough? We didn't try hard enough. The other person will do it better than I. So I wonder if you'd think with me this morning about that Luke chapter 22 and that dinner conversation. I'd remind you that Jesus and his friends were celebrating an age-old traditional meal because centuries before that, centuries before that, their ancestors had been a ragtag bunch of slaves. But God had rescued them out of slavery and so regularly they got together every year over dinner and wine to say, thank you. So as we go up the stairs to that dining room, you sniff and the air is filled with smells, the smell of roast lamb, the smell of red wine. But if, in addition to smelling, you listen, there's the sound of loud voices. And it's, if you can believe it, it's a prickly argument about who around the table is the greatest, the most important. And the quarrel degenerates into a squabble. And Jesus interrupts, and he says, come on, you Guys, that's a power trip. I'm among you not as the big boss, but as one who serves. Silence. Embarrassed glances at each other. And in the silence, Jesus looks around the room. And he breaks the silence with these words. You're the ones who stood by me in my trials. You say what? Because the record shows that the people around that table consistently missed the point of what Jesus taught them. And Peter was sitting there in that group. Peter, standing by, it would be only 
hours before Peter not standing by Jesus but cursing him disowning him distancing himself from Jesus you stayed with me through my trials Peter bailed and the others around the table ran away and slipped into the darkness but still Jesus said that whatever their failings whatever their inconsistencies whatever their inadequacies whatever their weaknesses they had not altogether quit you stood by me through thick and thin and we know that they'd been with him for three hard years of hostility coming at them being bullied and terrorized by powerful and sleek people who should have known better but Jesus thanked them because they stayed by him you who have stood by me it's hard to think isn't it isn't it hard to think of God being thankful for us what if Jesus and we know the heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit of God is present in this room to teach us all things about Jesus so were Jesus to sidle up to you and tap you on the shoulder and say you stuck by me thank you what would you say Lord don't you remember that failure don't you remember those harsh words don't you remember that stupid choice that I made that to this day I regret and comes back to haunt me for Jesus to say thank you for standing by me would there well up in you a response don't you remember Jesus those unkept promises don't you remember that bad behavior that lapse in judgment that rebellion that I willingly did against your way don't you remember I'd give back my right arm to get some of those dumb choices back don't you remember them Jesus what would it do to us this you stood by me my guess is that you like I recognize a strange pattern in all of us when somebody gets into our face and confronts us with accusations and condemnation 
What do we do? We get defensive, right? We minimize our wrongs and we tend to magnify our successes. But when someone from the inside, someone whom we love and trust, gratefully praises us, when we're told how much we mean to her, what do we do? Don't we at once feel humbled? And isn't our most common response one of deflection and discounting the praise? If a stranger accuses me of being a bad father, I bristle, at least inwardly. And I come out with rationalizations. But when both of our adult sons told Sharon and me that we were the best parents in the world, we melted. Two weeks after we retired here at IPC, some of you know that our older son, Bill, died. And the last thing that he wrote before he died was this. I have the best family in the world. Memories rose up to accuse me. Memories of time not spent, of unhearing ears, of insensitive words, memories of times when I was too rigid and unyielding, and other times when I was too soft. But he remembered the best parents in the world. So would you listen to Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God who came out of heaven into human flesh on earth? Would you listen to him say to you, speak to you by name, Harold, you stuck with me. June, thank you for standing by me when the going was tough. Is there any one of us here who would not hear in response to that word from Jesus? Is there any one of us who would not hear the accusation of contradictory memories? Oh no, Lord. No, I... I I didn't really stand by you. Don't thank me. I, I haven't been good enough. There are others who've been far better at discipleship than I. And yet, after all of our failures, 
are scattered on the floor of our memories. Jesus is still thankful for you. But that's not the whole story. This word that Jesus speaks saying thank you awakens other responses besides the responses of humility and deflection. Anybody who watches the news or reads it knows that this world is a mess. And how many people do we know who finding themselves in this mess of a world become a mess themselves? But others, others, some of you, ordinary people, Make another response. For after all, what, what does it mean to be a Christian, a Christ one, a follower of Jesus? Isn't it simply to entrust your life with all of its flaws, all of its beauty, all of its failures, all of its successes, all of its accomplishments, all of its betrayals, to entrust our life, our family, our career, our circumstances, our sin, our failure, our eternal destiny. To be a Christian is simply to entrust all that we are into the hands of a loving Savior who says to us, thank you for standing by me. In his mercy, as we just sang, in his great mercy to us, he clothes us in the beautiful clothing of his righteousness. He opens up the heavens and he comes down into our failures, our imperfections, our shortcomings. He takes them to himself. To be a Christian is to welcome that Christ in trust because I know how profoundly I need a Savior. And Christ, with open arms, welcomes us transforms us, gives us new birth. He adopts us into his family, which means we are fully heirs of all that God is and has and done. And he stands by us. And we're at this moment tiptoeing to the great mystery of the good news of Jesus. Jesus thanked those who stood by him even though there was strong evidence that might have convinced him otherwise. And yet, I hope you didn't miss the huge irony 
in that dinner conversation. Because just hours later, this same Jesus, this same Jesus would hang naked, beaten, with the spittle of the humans whom he made running down his face, his hands and his feet nailed down, and his friends who up until that night had stood by him all slid away, slithered away into the darkness. They ran. But more than that, can you believe it? That in that desolate, darkened, blood-soaked place, he shrieked, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was abandoned. No one stood by him. Just months before this night of desolation, the heavens had opened, and when they did, to the stunned friends of Jesus, God announced, this is my beloved son. I'm pleased with him. But in this moment of shame and derision, on another hill, Jesus felt abandoned, alone. And he sensed that even God had left the building. And the truth is that out of God's great love for us, us, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we, in him, might become the righteousness of God. He was abandoned so that we would never be abandoned. He stood in the gap, standing by us, so that we might know the welcome of God as our dear Heavenly Father, who will always stand by us. I'm going to invite the praise team and Robin with them to sing, come up to the stage, and while they're coming, Will you let God tattoo on your heart this truth? That his welcoming forgiveness, once given, will never, ever be withdrawn. He extends himself, his strong right arm, to stand us up on our feet. And his open arms embrace us as his sons and daughters. And he will never, 
leave us or forsake us. Will you listen as the music is played?